Welcome to the Life Church STL podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope this message encourages and inspires you. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. All right, so we're starting a new series called Old School. And you know what's funny is I was talking uh, with my dad uh, just a little bit ago and, and talking just kind of about like the thoughts behind this message series and 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 he's like, man, you could probably call it old school. And I'm like, we could. It's really funny, too, because, you know, like I have, maybe it's because I'm so young, I couldn't come up with a name for it or something. I don't know. And you just did such a great job. What does that say? I don't know. Um, no, but it's... <laughs> It's funny. Anyway, Pastor Rick came up with the title of this series, so there you go. Um, but <laughs> in the next little bit, you know, we just want to talk about, and I don't want to say just going back to those foundational things and just like those things that are, you know, things we should already know, um, but it's more about a coming back to, well, if you see in the... Um, the graphic here, there's a couple of little taglines. It says, back where it all began and a safe return home. Um, and we're just wanting to take, and, and look, Life Church has such a, a rich history, has such an amazing foundation and so many amazing things that, things that God has done through Life Church, and, and we continue on. And but we tend to come to these places where we think, oh, man, you remember the good old days? You remember the, the anybody? You guys are like, I don't, I've never said that. I don't believe you. Because even I say that sometimes. Oh, man, the good old days, you know, which were not that long ago for me because I'm so young. But, um, gosh, are you guys awake today? Okay. I'm just having a little bit of fun. But I was thinking about, you know, about this, like old school, the good old days, and, and how we need, we need to remember those foundational things. We need to remember the past, you know, even in the Old Testament and God telling uh, his people to set up memorial stones to remember what he had done for them. But it wasn't for them to live sitting there staring at those things saying, those were the good old days. Remember when God did this thing. It wasn't for them to sit around there worshiping the good old days. What it was for was for them to say, right, when, they, when their children and the generations passed by, that they go by those memorial stones, those places that they set up to remember what God had done, that they could explain, that people would say, what is this about? Oh, let me tell you what God did. I'm not sitting here living here worshiping the thing or, or focused on it, but I would love to tell you about what he did. So I was just looking up, um, you know, about nostalgia and, and, and sometimes why we think that, you know, past the past was better. You know, why we think the good old days were the good old days, Right? And, and a couple of things that I came across, I'm just going to read these so I can make sure I get them uh, out the right way. It says, a normal function of emotion is to enhance memory in order to improve 
recall of experiences that have, that have importance or relevance for our survival. Emotion acts like a highlighter that emphasizes certain aspects of experiences to make them more memorable. Nostalgia isn't about remembering memories at all, actually. Nostalgia does not relate to a specific memory, but rather an emotional state. We put an emotional state with an era or a specific frame and choose to idealize that specific time. We deduce that because we remember the feeling of happiness, it must have been better than right now. It must have been better than right now. Because I remember this feeling that I had back then. And I think about that. And I'm not saying there weren't good old days. What I'm saying is these are the good old days of the future. You know, these are those times to remember as we go on and as our kids get older. See, if we focus so much on those good old days, those old times, are we actually living right now in what God wants to do in us and through us and being in the place that we need to be if we're focused too much on that stuff? See, it isn't that that thing was better. It, it was the engagement and what ignited in our heart that we're remembering, right? That emotional state that we're remembering about it, making it feel like the good old days, you know, making it feel like this better time. So I guess my question in, in this series, and, and we'll be talking about, you know, some of those older things, and today I want to talk, actually, I'm not going to get into that yet, but what are those things, like the emotional state that we're remembering from back then, are we allowing God to do that thing in us right now? Are we in the place that we need to be right now. In Hebrews 6.10 it says, For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love which you have shown toward his name and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. So you have the writer of Hebrews, he's like, you know what, God, he's not unjust. He doesn't forget what you have done to minister and what you are doing to minister to the saints. You, like God sees what you're doing. He's not unjust. He doesn't turn his eye from you. He sees what you're doing. He loves you. You have this, see, I want to relate this to, to, well, myself right now and us right now. In the place that, that we feel like we are right now. Because as this, these scriptures are talking to the Hebrews, it can be talking to us also in the same exact way. Because God sees, like, man, God, I've been following you. I've been loving people. I've been doing things for you? And the scripture says, yeah, God's not unjust. He sees you. He sees what you're doing. But the problem is in the chapter before in Hebrews 12, 
He's talking about, he says, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. I mean, he says come to. You've come to need milk and not solid food. Maybe they were eating solid food and they got, got to go back to the formula, you know? You come to the point again where you need milk. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are full of full age. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So this isn't nearly as exciting as what he says just a few verses later. In chapter 6, where he's saying, God sees what you're doing and what you have done. And you have these, this, I won't say a dilemma, but like a, you're like, wait a second, what's going on here? He's telling them, you, don't, you can't eat solid food and you still need milk. And then he's also saying, but God sees. And as I'm reading these things, I, I'm thinking, oh my gosh. I mean, I could see it even in myself or in, in people. Right now, where we have this, where we feel like, yeah, I've been following God for a while, for a long time. Maybe it's a real long time. I know God. I love God. I love people. And I've been doing these things. Did you see that I volunteered at the church? Look at me. Look at what I did, you know? But then we go to Tuesday or Wednesday, and all of a sudden, our life is a mess, or something happens and we have no idea how to reconcile it, or we go into this place of anxiety or panic, or maybe anger where we're lashing out at people, and you're like, but I volunteered, but I went to church and gave 20 people hugs, you know? And I see, that that's that kind of picture that I see here in this scripture where he's saying, look, God sees who you are, what you've done, what you are doing, but at the same time, you've come to the place where you just need milk and you can't eat solid food. See, they don't have their, their senses, their faculties, the, the, the understanding trained in a way to discern good and evil, between right, what's right, and what's wrong. So yeah, we can be doing all these things, and be going to church, and we can, you know, even love people, and, and give 20 people hugs, like I said, or volunteer. But then at the same time, still not be able to discern, like it's saying here, between what is right and what's wrong. This word here, when it says uh, trained, having to, or uh, I think in the New King James that we just read, it says exercised. This root word is gymnasio. It's interesting. It is the same word that we, we bring gym or gymnastics out of. You guys find that fascinating? I do. 
Anyways, it means to exercise vigorously in any way, either the body or the mind. Interesting. It says that is those by reason of use have their senses exercised, gymnasio, trained, being used so much that we can, that we can uh, without even thinking about it, do. It's like a gym, gymnast, you know? Or let's say, I'm always fascinated. You ever watch those divers that dive, like cliff divers or those real high dive divers, you know? And they can do these like, you know, quadruple flip, tuck, spin. I don't know what it's called. I actually am not that into it. But, you know, like all these things. And, and I think, like it's like, it's like me going out there and being like, I want to learn to be a high diver. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to do a double backflip. And they're like, you know, actually you can't do that. Oh, yeah, I can, you know, and maybe I can go over backwards two times, but it's not going to be a double backflip, and I'm not going to go into the water the right way, you know. I'm going to go flat on my back, knock the wind out of myself or something, because I haven't, by reason of use, exercised and trained my mind or my body in a way that is able to actually do that the way that I am supposed to if I want to do that double backflip. Off the high dive. So it says, by reason of use, but solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. This, by reason of use. You know what this word use means? I... If you don't know me yet, if you're a little bit newer here, I like to just read the definitions of the words because sometimes it just like explodes in your mind whenever you actually look at what the Greek or Hebrew or whatever says. And this word is hexis. It's a habit, whether of body or mind. And it says a power acquired by custom, practice, or use. I love that it's a power it's a power acquired. You know, I'm not a superhero, but I would like to be called the Hexus Man, you know? That I have this power by reason of, of exercise and use so much that I can discern what God wants me to discern, that I can discern what is right and what's wrong, what I should do and what I shouldn't do. God wants us all to have that, that power, if you will. You guys, there's a few people I know that, you, Othello, come on, man. You and your kids, they, you love the, the comic books, the Marvel movies, all this stuff. Everybody else, I don't think you've ever seen those. But I, there you go. I got a couple of hands way back. There you go. The, young, the younger guys. I want that power. You know, I watch, if you're... <laughs> Who goes out of those movies and like, man, if I could fly, if I could run as fast as the flash, if I could do, man, if I had that. But 
to think about. We don't think about it in this way, that we can have the power of discernment, of discerning what is good and what's bad. We don't have to be just drinking that milk. We can be eating the solid food. But it comes. The NIV says, by constant use. By constant use. To have our understanding, to have our discernment tuned in a way that we can discern those things. You know, I... (laughs) I was thinking, um, you know, about how to, how to illustrate this. And one of the most frustrating things for me, and I'm not like a great cook. I don't cook a whole lot, but I, I like to help prepare the food. And one of the most frustrating things to me is trying to cut a piece of raw chicken with a dull knife. Anybody ever been in that place? I mean, after it's cooked, it's a little bit easier. But before you cook it, you know, you're trying to prepare it. You know, I don't know about you, but we like to try to cut as much of that fat, the stuff you don't want off. And you're trying to cut that stuff off. And if you have a dull knife, it either just doesn't cut it off. So you're just like, okay, fine, we're leaving it on there. I'm going to take the bad stuff with the good. Or maybe it starts cutting through, but you can't, you're cutting too much of the good meat off. You're getting too much of the good when you're trying to cut out the bad. Or maybe you're getting not not as enough of the bad out of the chicken whenever you're trying to cut it off the good. You see what I'm getting at here? That by reason of, so a knife is, you know, it gets sharpened. And as we use these faculties that God has given us, instead of just saying like, oh yeah, I you know, know God, I know the Bible, but I haven't really used it. But by using it, it's that sharpening of the knife. Sharpening up that knife so that I can actually cut what needs to be cut off without getting any of the good stuff with it. Or I can cut all that bad stuff off. That bad, I mean, come on. Who likes to have that, that piece of, you know, gristle in their chicken whenever they bite into it after they cooked. I didn't mean to get all gross. Some of you guys are probably going to throw up, but you know what I'm talking about. Perfect chicken that you made for dinner, and all of a sudden it's like, you can't, you guys are real quiet today. But I'm thinking about what he's saying. That by reason of use, we haven't exercised that ability to discern what's good and what's bad. So we've got that bad stuff still inside of us. There's stuff that we're taking in that we shouldn't be taking in because we haven't learned how to cut it out of our life. My knife's not sharp enough to even cut it, you know? I haven't sharpened that knife. Or maybe we start trying, but the knife's not sharp enough, so we got a bunch of good stuff that we're just throwing everything away. Verse 13, for everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. I don't want to be a baby, you know? I'm thinking, I'm thinking about, you know, when you're young, 
I don't want to have to have my mom or my dad still cut my meat for me, you know? Like, I, I don't even know how to use this knife. Mom, can you cut this? And I'm thinking about that, thinking about, like, I, I don't want somebody to have to read this Bible and tell me what it means. I don't want somebody to have to share with me, okay, this is exactly what the Scripture means. I want to practice and understand, to be able to understand what it means myself. To be able to cut those things out of my life. Not that it's me that does it, right? It's the Spirit. It's God that does it. But to be able to be in the place where I am right with God and, and exercising my mind, my spirit in the way that I have this communion with God. And I say, God, I see there's something in my life and it needs to be out. Would you help me remove that thing from my life? That's what I'm seeing. You know, oh man, as I was talking to my dad, you know, about this, he was sharing this story about this lady. It might have to, I'll try to say it. I won't have him come up here and say it because it'll take way too long. I'm just kidding. See, I'm just trying to lighten the mood a little bit, okay? Listen, but there was a lady that came to him, and one day it was like, I want you, Pastor Rick, to come with me to say, you know, in downtown and pull down the spirit of infirmity or some spirits, you know, that are hovering over the city and come down. We're going to do warfare and pull down the spirits that are hovering over the city. And he's like, you know what? I don't think I'm going to do that. He said like the next week, the very next week or something, her life was a mess. And she had, what, what was, she just, she was like, everything's falling apart. I don't even know if I'm saved, Pastor. I don't even know, like, everything's falling apart, and does God love me, you know, am I saved? And I'm thinking, man, that lady thought she had a sharp knife, but hers was duller than a butter knife. You know? Like, think about that. I've seen, too. It's like, you know, you come in all hot, like, <laughs> I'm going to tell you what the Bible says. And then you go out, you're not living it, you know? You can say it, but your knife might not be sharp. Because saying is not doing. Right? And this scripture says, by reason of use, by exercise, by repetition, by using that ability that God has given you to understand and to learn and to grow and to cut those things out, I'm going to get better and better. Right? So, I was eating um, Stephen and Julie Hilster. I'm gonna call Stephen out. It's really, it's a really funny story. But he had us. They had us over for dinner, and he made steaks and baked potatoes. And I think the story relates. Yeah, it relates. And we get this dinner. We're sitting at the table, and and. Uh, I made my potato, Stephen makes his potato, and we're about ready to eat, and he looks over, he's like, what is that? And I said, that's my potato. 
And I looked over at his plate, and it looked like he chewed that thing up with a blender or something, you know? It was all like, like this, the potatoes all falling apart. And you know what my potato looked like? Like a picture. It was like, have you ever seen one of those pictures of the baked potato? And you're like, how do they make the baked potato with the sour cream and the butter and the salt and pepper on it? And it is perfect. How do they do? It was probably me that did it. That's, I can't eat a baked potato if it doesn't look like that. It's, it's funny, but that doesn't happen without the will and the, the want to, to do it the right way. And by doing it for years of your life, I mean, people that know me think it's funny, you know, because I just get really weird about stuff like that, you know? My friends, whenever I was a teenager, would make fun of me because we'd go eat at Lion's Choice. And they have those, those wrappers that have like the, you know, the foil on the outside. And I had to lay that thing. I would, I would iron that thing out. I mean, you wouldn't be able to tell that it was ever crumpled up around a burger. So I could put my fries out just the right way and have my ketchup on there. It's just the way that I, that I am. But the point is is that doesn't just happen, you know, to make that baked potato, to cut the fat off the chicken, to actually discern the good from the bad by just doing it one time. It doesn't happen that way. It happens by over and over coming to the place that you need to discern what God wants you to discern and acting on it and doing it. So what he's trying to do is try to catch him and, and say, look, I'm catching you before you get too far, right? It's not, it's not that they're doing this on purpose. It's not that we do this on purpose. Like at one point in our lives, we were eating that meat, right, that salad food. God was doing great things in our life, and, and He was moving, and he, and he was using us. But now we're at the point, that, again, where, where we've got to have the formula, you know? Like, Mom, mix up the formula. Feed me, because I don't know how to cut my steak anymore. He's not saying that, it's, that they did it on purpose, that they're intentionally doing things that they shouldn't do. He's saying, look, God sees you. And he knows you, he sees the good things that you're doing, but I want to catch you before you get too far because it seems like you've lost the ability to discern what's good from bad. And, and the thing is, is that right now, right now, where we are, our world, I won't say, you know, our city, our, our country, just our world, this is a problem, The ability to discern from what God actually wants from what we want. The ability to discern what he has said is not right and not good, not the way that we should live or what we should do from what we should. 
And whether you think so or not, or you think, man, I've been a Christian so long, I don't need to hear this message. I, I disagree. I disagree because as I am speaking this, I am thinking of myself, God, what are the things that I've lost the ability to cut out of my life? What are the things that I've lost the ability to discern? Is not good that I am still doing or want to do. And this is one of the things that I got from my dad that I feel like it's just like ingrained into me is that you don't get past a point and never have to go back to it. You know, you don't outlearn those things and say, oh, I'm at this point where I don't have to do that anymore. No. This relationship that we have with God, this ability The ability to be in the presence of God, to, to discern what is taking me out of the presence of God, or what will bring me into the presence of God. We don't just get to that place. Look, you say, it's like riding a bicycle. Nope. First of all, that's kind of true. You kind of always know how to ride a bicycle, but you won't be good at it if you don't do it for 40 years. You don't keep the quality of the understanding of knowing how to ride a bicycle. But this is even different than that. It's just going to go the opposite direction. If we don't exercise that ability, the gymnasio, the training, our mind and our spirit to discern what he wants, what God wants. And really the hardest thing is, is not even, I'll take it a little bit further, not even just discerning what's good and bad, but to, to be able to discern what is what he wants and what I want. That's even sharper. You need a sharper knife even for that. Because maybe, maybe it's not horrible or maybe it's not a sin, but if I am leaving in a little bit of what I want, I'm probably not going to get the quality of steak that I want. Right? Because I, I don't know how to cut the steak like he does. It's like going to... Ruth's Chris and saying, can I prepare the steak and cook it, and then you bring it out to me, and it's going to be just as good. It's not going to happen. I can cook a steak at home. It's just not going to be like Ruth's Chris. I can do that. But man, if I could come to the place where, and we could. Again, I'm, I'm using this whole illustration. I'm going to take it real far. If, if I trained with them to learn how they cut and how they cook a steak to perfection, I could do it. I could do it myself, but I haven't done that. And the only way to do that is to take the time and actually do the work. And that's what he's saying here. He's like, look, 
Seems like you need the milk, you need the formula instead of the solid food. But what I want you to do is to practice what this Bible says, what this word says, enough to where your knife's sharp and to where you can cut the good from the bad so you can have the quality of relationship with God that he has called you to, that he wants for you, that you need in order to be the person that people need that are around you. It's not just for you. It's for those that you're going to encounter tomorrow and the next day. That you have the quality, that relationship that you need to have. That it is able to be that sweet smelling aroma that it should be. That draws in others into the presence of God. Amen? Will you stand with me? Thanks for listening today. We pray this message encourages you. If you have any questions or you'd like to learn more about us as a church, you can always visit us online by going to lifechurchstl.com.